Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. <laughs> uh, we were just up in New York and uh, it was just, it's just amazing how far our country has, has gone and, 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 and the things that have begun to take place. You know, they, this week the Roe v. Wade thing was overturned and by our Supreme Court. And uh, I'm, I'm not here to get political about that, but I'm just trying to say, you know, over, you know, over 300,000 babies have been aborted this year. You know, I struggle for our country to go so far that, that we think that it, it's okay because I don't take responsibility as an adult. I said, what do you mean responsibility as an adult? It's a woman's body. I know, but she went and slept with some guy and got pregnant and didn't take responsibility. And now she wants us to take responsibility for her lack of responsibility and allow her to do something that really goes against the very thing. And, and so you get caught up in this. And, and, I'm, and again, I believe that God loves everyone. Someone says to me, I, and I talked to a lady not long ago. She had three abortions, and, and she's talking about how mentally it's just, and her older, she's older now, she's in her 50s and struggling with it. And, and I said, God loves you in spite of that. You just understand, God, that's not the point. See, so you're missing the point here. It's not that God doesn't love you because you did something that maybe that, that was not correct or right or I don't think biblically correct. But it's important to understand that God loves you enough so you're more secure that you can overcome those things. And, and that doesn't become a, a stumbling block. And, and, you know, you say, well, I thought you were against abortion. I am against abortion. But I'm not against people. Right. That's right. And we as a church have got to understand there's a lot of hurting ladies out there who have gone through a lot of struggles that even in this church, that, that you need to know you're loved by God. And quit letting the enemy continue to beat you up. Now, we, we take a stand against it. Make no mistake about that. It's not even a question. You think since Roe v. Wade was, took place back in the 60s, we had over 60-some million babies killed. And if that doesn't bother you, if, you, if you've never seen a baby in, a, in, the, in the womb of a mother and, and, and seen them even at, at, in the first week, you, and then you go to the 15th, and then you go to the, the, the fourth month, and, 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 and you know, in some states, they abort right up to where the baby's being born. Uh, our country's in trouble. But we're going to riot in the street about that. You see what I'm saying? We're going we're gonna to burn down buildings and threaten people's lives and like we hadn't killed enough already. But I'm walking down the street in New York and uh, I was amazed. There's this two guys sitting at the, at the uh, corner leaning against a pole. They each are putting their, their, their needles in their arms doing their drugs. And we walk down a little bit further. There's another guy. He's opening up his little case. And he's, got all, he's got like, I don't know, 15, 20 needles in there. He's getting a needle out, you know. Walk down another block, and there's a, there's a lady laying on this blanket on the, side, on the sidewalk with a needle sticking in her, in her leg through her jeans, and she's passed out. <clears throat> and we're worried about what? Really? 
The world needs God. They just need God. And we, and we have to realize that is our responsibility as, as, as people of God, the children of God, the, the believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, the born-again family, the ones that are grafted into the family, then we have a responsibility for our position. And I want to talk to you about how the church, and we, we talked about this back several years ago when, it, when the COVID was at its peak in 2020, 2021. And we, we talked about how the world has quarantined the church. And, and, and they've tried to use this to shut the church down and to, and to cause us not to be who God's called us to be. And, and I want to talk to you about a few things about that this morning because I really believe this is our greatest hour. I'm, I'm so excited to be a Christian. I'm so excited to know that God loves me in spite of me. You know, just so, you know, I woke up this morning and, and I'm doing my meditation. I'm going through my stuff. And I'm thinking, you know, God loves me and he knows all the bad stuff about me. Come on, look at the person next to you and go, he knows. <laughs> he knows all about you. <laughs> and he still loves you. I said he still loves you. Boy, if that doesn't get you excited, you know what I'm saying? And so we want to take you through a few things today, and we'll look at some things. We want to talk about it because the word quarantine is a state or period or place of strict isolation. It's imposed isolation. It means to exclude or to detain, to isolate for political, social, or hygienic reasons. <laughs> the transit. The verb is to detain or to exclude, to isolate from normal relations or communication. Fascinating. In the book of Acts, we have this incredible story in chapter 3 to where Peter and John went to pray and they, they met the lame man who had been lame since he was born. And he was, he was there begging at the temple and, and the man asked him for something. He asked them to give him money. And, and Peter said, silver and gold have a number such as I have, give I thee. Y'all know that story. It's a wonderful story. And, uh, and so Jesus said to him, he says, in the name of Jesus, what I do have is the authority that's in the name of Jesus. And he says to him, so I'm going to give that to you. Now, it's important we catch this translation that's going on here. He says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I'm going to give you. He didn't get, I want you to get hold of something here. He gave him the authority of the name of Jesus. Did you get that? He says, I'm going to give you something. But when you get this, when you, if you receive what I'm giving you, you're going to rise up and walk. See, it's our responsibility to receive. And when we go into the world, not everyone's going to receive what we've got to say. But he says that, he says, silver and gold, I'm going to give this to you. But once you receive it, you'll never be the same again. It's important you understand that what we carry within us is that which will transform lives. We are history makers. People can never be the same around us if we allow the Jesus in us to get out of us into them. It's important we get a hold of some of this stuff here. You notice he didn't say, now, you know, we traveled with Jesus. Let me tell you all about Jesus. He didn't say that. He said, I'm just going to give you Jesus. 
we're trying to explain everything when we don't know ourselves what we say we really believe. I'll be honest with you, I do not understand salvation. I just have it. Now, I don't care who you are, you don't understand salvation. How you can be transformed, all the old things pass away, all things become new in the moment, the twinkling of an eye, because you let Jesus come into your heart. And, you know, look in the mirror, and I'm still five foot six, I'm still, you know, blue eyed, fat, <laughs> short, same old guy, but I'm transformed. Wow. I don't understand that, but it's real. And my life begins to change in that transition. As I walk with that transition, my life is, is, is transformed. And it says, the more that I renew my mind, the greater one that's inside of me comes out of me because be not conformed to this world, be transformed. The word transformed there in the book of Romans is let metamorphosis, let what's on the inside of you get on the outside of you. And the only way you can get that on the inside, outside of you is to let your mind be changed, transformed. And so we find that during this time that the, the priest the religious group grabbed a hold of Peter and John, brought them in, and they began to chasten them and tell them, you can't, by what name did you do this in? They said, in the name of Jesus. They said, we've got a problem because if we allow them to have carte blanche with the name of Jesus, it's going to wreck our religious thinking. Go back and read it. And so they said, but the problem is we can't deny I said, we can't deny what God has done. See, that's when I laugh at people and they go, well, I don't, I don't know about all that. Well, I'm the one who flatlined on the table, died, and God brought me back. I'm the one that went in and they did check me out on my heart. And the guy says, you know, the artery that you had has closed up. We put stents in it. It's closed up. But your heart has sent out veins around it and you had a natural bypass. No, I had a supernatural bypass. I didn't have a natural bypass. And I looked at the doctor and I said, what does that mean? He says, what do you mean? I said, no, I'm asking you to tell me what it means. <laughs> he says, you can do anything you want. I said, I can go back to the gym and work out. Go back to the gym and work out. I can do any kind of physical, you do whatever you want to. He says, you've had a natural bypass. You're fine. I'll see you next year for your checkup. And then you're going to sit here and tell me you don't believe in a God of miracles. The problem is you're a day late dollar short. I've already had mine. You understand what I'm saying? It's hard to tell a layman who's walking and that, 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 that he calls he received Jesus that he can't go telling people about it because he's got something going on on the inside of him that he can't contain. Now, in this passage, they said what we will do is we will quarantine them. We will isolate them and tell them because we're not telling you it didn't happen. We're just telling you can't tell anybody it happened. And, of course, Peter and John, they left, and they went back to the other people, and they told them what happened. But they, their statement was, listen, we are not going to shut up about Jesus. I'm kind of paraphrasing, you understand, because I won't take time to read all the scriptures. But he, they said, we're not going to shut up about Jesus. We, we cannot deny what we knew is true. See, here's the thing I want us to understand as Christians. Do we really know what we say we know? Is it real to us? Real to the point that we cannot shut up about it? You see, if we're going to be history makers, then we're going to have to do the things that others do not do. 
We, we, we look at another passage of scripture and, and, and we look over here in the, in the book of Deuteronomy and we, and we find here in, in, in chapter 30 the book of Deuteronomy and we find that God is talking to the children of Israel and again I'll, I'll, I'll sum it up for you because you can look it up later but it's in, the, in, in Deuteronomy for those that are taking notes in Deuteronomy the uh, 14th or 30th chapter uh, 14th through 20th verses but here God's talking to them and he says listen you've got to make up your mind in or out, up or down. There's blessings and curses. You choose. Everybody, the good person, they're going to say, your choice. So you have to make a decision to receive Jesus or to release Jesus in you to someone else. And you have to make a decision to either I'm going to walk in blessing or I'm going to walk in curses. See, we don't like that. We, we think that God will bless who he wants to bless and curse who he wants. That's not true. God wants to bless everybody. He's sitting on his son to condemn the world, but he sent his son that the son might be saved, that the world might be saved. Sitting on his son to condemn you. He's not angry at you. He said, I'm reserving my wrath and my judgment on the day of judgment. So I, my, God said, I put my word out there that says, I refuse to get angry with you right now. Because I've done some things through the years that I'm sure if, if he hadn't said that, I'd have been in trouble. I know y'all are so innocent, so pure, and y'all y'all are so sweet and kind. You've never thought something you hadn't thought, said something you shouldn't say. I get it. But I'm talking about me now. Because I'll be honest with you, there's been times I wanted God to kill somebody. <laughs> not proud of it. Thank God he didn't. Thank God that I'm not God. And I know that I thank God too because some people probably wanted God to kill me. <laughs> but God said, listen, I'm going to set before you life and death, blessings and cursings, choose. Again, we struggle with that because we in our religious thinking, we don't want responsibility. We won't case sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. But that was Thor's day. That wasn't God. <laughs> For the younger ones, you don't even know who I'm talking about. The only the older ones really know who I'm talking about. The younger ones are going, who? Anyway. Make a choice. Fascinating. I said make a choice. We go over to the book of First Kings, and we find over there that the prophet is talking to the king, and the king says, because of you, it isn't always the church's fault. See, if we weren't so religious, if we weren't so, if we, if we weren't so, uh, uh, if you will, moral with our thinking and our Christianity, then, then the world would be a better, that's what the world tells us. They call us, that we're the, we're the judges, but really they're judging us. You ever notice that? You talk to somebody that finds out you're a Christian and they're not, and immediately they start judging you and telling you what you think. Uh, I was in a, I was in a, a place and, and, 
a situation was in a business, place of business situation was going on, and, and the thing had not been corrected. So I went back to them. I said, "We got to correct this because the bill's not correct." And and so this person knew that I was a minister, and and I and I said, "Ma'am, I said you're going to have to correct this." She said, "Well, I don't know." So it finally got to the point. Where I said, "Listen, I need to see your superior because this is incorrect and you're wrong, and I need to talk to him." So the guy came, and I'm talking to him, and I said, and he asked me about it. I said, well, she refused to look at it from this standpoint. She said, well, I thought you were Christian. You were, you're, not, you're not condemning me in front of my boss, are you? And I kind of looked at her. I said, are you a Christian? She said, no. I said, shut up. <laughs> and the boss goes, I said, sir, she's, she's judging me based upon what she doesn't know. She's not a Christian. She doesn't know how Christians think, how they act. And this is not about Christianity. This is about just making the thing right. But she's trying to judge me with condemnation, saying that I'm supposed to take it because I'm a Christian. I'm not paying it. Long story short, we got it turned around. Everything was good. But the point is, have you ever noticed how people who aren't Christians are always, and they say, we judge them. I don't judge anybody. I didn't walk down the street and judge those people with needles. I, I, was, I was so moved with compassion, saying, God, they, because they weren't born that way. They weren't designed to be controlled by drugs. They weren't designed to be laying on the street in New York City in filth and swallowing and, and, and shooting up with drugs and trying. I mean, it was horrible. I didn't judge them. My, my, your heart breaks for people like that. You pray for them. You, what can we do to help? And, and we've helped many drug programs over the years, and we'll continue to do that. But that's not the point. The point is, as Christians, we're not here to judge the world. We're here to make decisions and examine ourselves. And so the king said to the prophet, you're the one that's created this famine. You're the one that's created this dilemma. You're the one that has put the nation in jeopardy. That sounds like almost the 21st century, doesn't it? Yeah. And he looked at him and he says, well, first off, he gets the king's face and says, I don't think so. He says, I'll tell you what you do. Call your prophets, I'll get my prophets. And we'll call on God. We'll find out who, who's the real God in this deal. Let, let's, let, let's let the two play out. Let's quit. You, you, you can't sit here and judge me on something that has taken place that is a breach in nature when my God wants me to be blessed. Now, why am I saying all that? Don't sit here and judge us because the world is in trouble today. Don't get caught up in the moment of what's taking place in the news media, whoever they may be, the ABCs, the NBCs, the Foxes, the CNNs, the whosoevers, who cares? They don't make the decisions of the world. And I got news for you. If you get caught up in this stuff and you start living by what, what they're charging at the gas tank, you're going to lose your identity as a child of God. See, God provides for his children no matter what. <clears throat> Someone's saying, well, are you going to start preaching? No, I'm not going to preach. I'm just going to talk to you today. We go over to the book of 2 Kings. 
chapter 7, verses 1 through 9. Let's put that up on the screen. Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. This, thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, say a fine flour shall be sold for a shackle. And two of them for barley, for a shackle, and the, and the gate at the gate of Samaria. Now, what are you thinking about? He's saying there's a famine in the land. The world is, the, the people are starving. We're, we're in this walled city. The enemy has surrounded us. But he says, things are, look at somebody and say, things are about to change. <laughs> Next verse. So, an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look at the Lord who would make windows in heaven. If the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now, there are people today that are going to tell you it's going to get worse. And in the world system, it might. But as we, as believers, we got to go back to the word of the Lord from this year. God very clearly said to us that the first two quarters, you need to do what you're going to do and do it quickly. The third quarter, things are going to begin to slow down. Fourth quarter, it's going to get bad, but get ready. The revival has started. And so we're seeing something here. There are people who, they, they, they build their reputation on what is wrong rather than looking for what is right. And I'm always fascinated with that. We love to get with the negative, but negative seems so much stronger at times than what is the positive. But yet, we need to look and see what God has to say to us for this year. And I want to use this, this mindset as we go ahead and read the next verse as we continue on this. Now, there were four, were four leper men at the entrance of the gate, and they said one to another, why are we sitting here until we die? Why have I got to go broke because gas is $5 a gallon? Why have I got to lose my business because the world seems to be going sideways? Why, why sit here and die? I can't stop this out here, but I don't have to live it within here. Good question, and, and that's a question you're going to have to ask yourself before the day's over is why sit here until we die. Next verse. If we say we will enter the city, the famine in the city, we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall only die. Listen to their mindset. If I stay where I'm at, nothing's going to change. If I go back into where I came from, nothing's going to change. Maybe I need to get out of this mode and move out there. No matter what the world is saying, if the world is going to kill me, it's going to kill me. But I'm not going to sit here and kill myself. Oh, God, help the church. Next verse. They rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one. <laughs> to their surprise, no one was there. Next verse. 
For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses and the noise of a great army. So they said one to another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to attack us. Did you notice something? God calls the world system, the enemy who had surrounded and said, you're going to die. He calls them to hear something they didn't understand. Don't think the world's going to understand us. As Christians, they're not going to understand why we do what we do. They're just going to hear a noise. I said, they're just going to hear a noise. Next verse. Therefore they arose, they fled at twilight and left the camp. Their tents, their horses, their donkeys, they fled for their lives. Next verse. And when the lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went in one tent, ate and drank, carried from it silver and gold and clothing, It went and hid it. I'll talk just a minute. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some of These are men that have leprosy that are dying. (laughs) So no matter if you're dying or not, when the the enemy hears the noise, they're going to flee. Even though you think you're dying, collect what they left. My question is, where did they hide it? I think that way. Come and look at a person and say, I know you've got a hiding place. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. Maybe it's in your heart. Maybe it's in your mind. But we all have hiding places somewhere. That we don't want anybody to discover certain things. Wow. Now, as we look at this story, next verse, we find something very important. Then they said one to another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until the morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. Now, as we look at this story, I'm going to, I'm going to digress from that. I'm going, to, I want to lay down some things for you real quick before we get to. I really have three thoughts this morning, but I'm laying this foundation because I want us to see this. Number one, the people that were in the city that were starving to death and the four lepers that were outside the walled city had, had been given the word of the Lord. Had been given the word of the Lord. We've had the word of the Lord given to us this year. It's not going to be given, it's already given. Number two, the word of God was not received by everyone. The word of God is not, re- and so don't worry about who receives it, who doesn't receive it. Someone said, aren't you offended? No, I'm not. I've had people say to me, I don't believe a word you talk, great. And they just got to look at me and they go, well, I don't want to argue with you. Why would I argue with you? You just want to disagree and get an R for what? I believe what I believe. I I think I can back it up. If you can tell me a a reason other than the fact you just don't believe, I'm okay with that. But don't tell me what you believe when you haven't even taken time to research to know what you believe. We always get opinions about it. I don't like that. It's like my my grandson, uh, Parker. Parker, taste this. I don't like that. Have you ever tasted it? No. Well, how do you know you don't like it? Just a thought. 
But I just don't think, I don't like the way it looks. I want to go there on that. <laughs> Not everyone will receive the word of the Lord. Number three, four leprous men at the entrance at the city gate received a challenge. They received a challenge. Who gave them the challenge? They gave it to themselves. Learn to challenge yourself. Number four, God had performed his word and the people didn't even know it. What you don't know, God has already taken care of this dilemma we're in in 2022 and you don't even see it yet because eye have not seen and ear have not heard or entered the heart of the man the things that God has prepared for them. The stuff God has for me helps me overcome every situation because God said he would never leave me and he'd never forsake me. God said I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. I know that God will make a way where there is no way. I know that God will cause me to be blessed in my coming in and my going out. Whether I can see it or not, whether I can identify it or not, in the natural it doesn't matter because I know that God has already done what he's going to do. He said there's nothing new under the sun. What was always has been and what always has been always was. Which means he's the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. So I don't have time to worry about what's going on. I've just got to trust the word of the Lord because God has already performed his word. Samaria was delivered. They did not know it. They didn't know they were delivered. They didn't know they were free. I, those people in there, you, you, when I saw them in the street, that's how sad it is. And thank God there's some teams and some people up there that are they're, they're witnessing, ministering to those people in the street. But folks, the church has got to take on more effort to go out into the highways and byways because people don't know. They did not see. They did not hear. Or participate in the Syrian's defeat. It's not your job to participate in the battle. Oh man, I just messed you up. You're to fight the fight of faith. God will fight the enemy. Fight of faith. God fights the enemy. That's why I don't get angry at people. You know what that said about you? I don't care. Why do I get angry at him? God, I fight, I stay in faith. I can't be upset you don't like what I say. You don't like what I preach. You don't like me. I can't help it. It is who I am. My mom and daddy made me this way. <laughs> the wealth of the enemy was waiting on Israel to take possession. The Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid for the just. It's waiting for you to fall into place so you can take possession of what God has already said is yours. Wow. The children of Israel, when they left Egypt, and I, the King James Bible is such a poor translation. In the King James Bible, it says that Moses told them to go borrow the gold, the silver, and all the precious things from the, from the Egyptians, and they spoiled them overnight. That's not what the original text said. It says, go tell them to give it to you. Give me your wealth. Give me the wealth because the wealth is mine. I've been, I've been laboring here 400 years. Give me mine. And the people were so moved by the hand of God upon their lives which they had seen, they gave them everything they had. You see, you need to understand when you're walking into things that God has for you, people want to give to you. Well, I just messed something up there. Nobody's giving me nothing. Well, you got to walk in it. Because when you're walking in the kingdom of God, you can find that even your enemy will give you stuff. They want to give you stuff. Why? Because it's yours. 
I said, because it's yours. Four lepers mindset. Again, I'm getting to my, these are not my points yet. I'm getting to my points in a moment. Number one, they were willing to face the fear. Willing to face the fear. Don't be afraid. You say, don't be afraid of fear. No, fear is a funny thing. Don't be afraid of fear. Face it. Get in its face. Told my wife, they went in, they examined her, did a lovectomy on her. They came back. The doctor said to my wife, the surgeon said to my wife, you have cancer. And uh, my wife looked at her. She says, I'm going to live and not die. And the surgeon said, excuse me? She said, I'm going to live and not die. She had fear come at her. See why? Her, her grandmother had died of cancer. Her mother's two sisters had died of cancer. It was in the family. They all got breast cancer like she had, and they all died with it. But when the fear came to her, she looked at it in the face and said, I'm going to live and not die. I'm not saying you're not there. I'm just saying, I don't think so. And so the surgeon went and got me to come in and sit down. And she says, you need to talk to your wife. She doesn't, she's not hearing correctly. And she's, she's, I think she's getting a little confused. And I said, well, what did you say to her? Or what? She said, I, I, I told her she had cancer. And I, my wife said, what did she say? She said, I'm going to live and not die. And the surgeon says, see, she's not listening. I said, no, you're the one not listening. Come on. Come on. That was in 2004. And she's still cancer-free today. <clears throat> learn to, to face your fear. Okay? Face it. Number two, take personal responsibility. Always be willing to take responsibility. Don't blame it on everybody else. Just please. Again, you know, we talked about kids and grandkids, and, and uh, we're in New York, and Penelope comes running in the room, and that Parker has has kicked her. And so I said to Penelope, what did you, I did nothing. So I said, Parker, come here. What happened? He said, I was on my iPad. She come over, she ripped it out of my hand and ran it, so I kicked at her on the way out the door. Oh. Penelope, did you take his iPad? Well, I was just looking at it. So really, you created... The moment for Parker to fall into trouble, and you told about him but didn't tell about you. So now you are going to be disciplined. You can't have the iPad. You can't do this. You can't. Why? Well, it's his. It's Parker's fault. No, it's not Parker's fault. It's your fault. Take responsibility. Mm. Number three, accept the challenge. Be willing to accept the challenge. We've had it so easy in our life. And again, don't even get me started. All this political stuff drives me nuts. What bothers me is that we want to forgive people of things that they did willingly, and then we're supposed to act like that they shouldn't have to be responsible for it. Just learn to accept the challenge, okay? They ignored the inevitable. 
They, they didn't allow what was in front of them. They, they, this, is, this is not changing, you understand. But I'm not going to let this thing that's not changing bother me. There's some things I can't change. I just don't let it bother me. Again, grandkids, we're walking down the street in New York, and they got these people running up, and they're saying, would you like to go on this tour? Would you like to go on that? And I'm walking with little Penelope again, eight-year-old Penelope, and she's got this big thing. She walks by those people, and they're showing that thing. She goes, nope. <laughs> just like that, nope. I said, Heather, where did she learn that? She says, I taught her. In other words, I'm not saying I can't get rid of you, but I'm just letting you know right up front, nope. So you can stand on this corner and offer this all you want to. Nope. Oh, God help me. They can, they can do what they want to in Washington. Nope. They can do what they want to in the world system. Nope. The answer is nope. I don't need to do that. I'm, I'm not saying it's not there. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying you're not participating. In it. But for me in my house, nope. I don't think so. They dreamed the impossible. They said, what if they let us live? We got a death sentence, but what if we go out there and we live and don't die? Whew. What would happen? Do you ever dream the impossible? No, I'm serious. Get outside of your box. Here's what most of us do. We get a dream and then we try and dream a dream to be able to figure out how we can pull off the dream. You know what I'm talking about? We have the impossible, and, and, and we try and figure out how we can create the impossible. If I could do this, I could do that. If I could just win the lotto. You know, all I got to do it. When you dream the impossible, it means it's beyond your scope of reach. Wow. They recognize that they were in a position to move. No matter where you find yourself in life, you can move. I said, no matter where you find yourself in life, you can move. You don't have to stay there. But we get trapped in this emotional and mental thing. We're trying to please people. We're trying to please society. We're trying, we're trying to make, in other words, we're more concerned about how we look in front of people rather than moving to get out of the mess we're in. And then they did something to change their destiny. They got involved. They did something to change their destiny. Musicians, please come. Three things. This is what the message is today. I've laid all that foundation for this message. Number one, they did not allow the circumstances to control them. That's pretty simple truth, isn't it? They refused to allow the circumstance to control them. Now, get a hold of this for a moment. See, because you're a black man. If you're not careful, you'll allow the fact that you're black to control how you look at life. See, you're a female. And if you're not careful, because you know how these male chauvinists are, you see what I'm saying? You need to get a hold of this. Well, I'm from Jamaica, Mom. We're so proud of our heritage that we let the circumstance of our heritage control who and what we are. 
I'm Italian. I can't tell you, in the early days, we had almost 80% Italian in this church. Holy moly, did I learn a lot during that time. <laughs> my, my, my brother, Pastor Al, has gone home to be with the Lord. He was, he, I mean, he had Italy stamped on his bottom, man. I mean, he was, he was Italian <laughs> through and through. He says, you know, Italians were the first Christians. I'll show it to you in the Bible. <laughs> it's so easy to let a circumstance of our background and our, the nature of how we were raised. I was raised in a dysfunctional family. I let the circumstance dictate to me and control me. I was raised with an alcoholic father, an abusive father. It's so easy to let that become our excuse to stay in our circumstance and get out. We never had any money. It's so easy to stay poor in a circumstance and justify it because we have not had the luck of the draw that some people had. So easy. My marriage is not working. Don't let that circumstance of what's going on in marriage, you change and change the circumstance. The circumstances are not there because they weren't created. And because they were created by some situation or, or, or something that took place, you can bring a change to that circumstance. See, circumstances are changeable. Whew. Think outside of the box. Begin to believe what you say you believe. I can do all things that Christ strengthens me. Begin to believe that God will make a way where there is no way. to believe for the miracle and watch God turn it around I know it because I watched my mom and dad my dad y'all know the story but 30% of his heart he had four major heart attacks he only had 30% operational of his heart and God healed him and restored him he was bankrupt and God restored him and when he died IRS owed him money pretty good when IRS owes you money my mom was healed of cancer when they went in for the tumor, the doctor came out. He said it's going to be a lengthy time because this thing is throughout our body. But when he opened her up, he went in and he came. It wasn't 30 minutes. He came back out. We're looking at the doctor. said, what's going on? He says, my whole life I've never seen this. When we opened her up, the, the tumors were in like a little sack of some kind. All I did was reach. I didn't have to cut anything other than her, her stomach. When I opened her up, I reached in. I picked it up. We took it out. We sewed her up. She's going home in two days. You control them. Don't let them control you in the circumstance. They chose to trust God because they did the difficult. They released God to do the impossible. Y'all have heard that before. If you're willing to do the difficult, you release God to do the impossible. See, it's called impossible for a reason. You can't do it. 
need to know these four lepers said, we're just going to go with what the word of the Lord said. We're just going to go out there. You're not going to sit here and die. We're going to do the difficult. We're going to take the step. We're going to face fear in the face. We're going to take the step and do the difficult and let God do what he's going to do. Let God be God. Last but not least, they refuse to keep the miracle to themselves. I said they refused to keep the miracle to themselves. God's done so many things for us in so many incredible ways that we don't get out and share what God has done. See, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. I have no miracle working power of the authority of the name of Jesus. How do I know that? Because I am a miracle. You're a miracle. And the world's waiting to see the handiwork of an awesome God manifested in the world in which they live. We talk about a miracle working God. Just look in the mirror and go, oh my Lord, I've been looking at you every day and didn't realize it. You're a miracle. Didn't say how good you look or how bad you looked. Didn't say what background you come from. God said he knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. God said, I chose you before I laid the foundations of the world. Before Genesis 1, in the beginning God created, before in the beginning he created, he already had chosen you before he created the world. You were in God before you were in this world, before you were in your mother. You were already in God. You are a miracle in the system that you live in today. So therefore, you have miracle working power in your life. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you up in the balcony, <laughs> he will quicken, make alive your mortal physical body. And miracles will begin to manifest yourself in and through your life. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.